answering the difficult and critical questions youth may face that relate to Mormon culture and teachings. This is the Rise Up Podcast, produced by Fair Mormon. Films have an impact on the way we view the world, but in some cases, films have an impact on the way the world views us. Freetown is the latest film from Garrett Batty, the director of The Seratop Approach. With this film, the filmmakers wanted to help the world see the power of faith with the story of young missionaries in Africa who trusted in God and taught the gospel while their lives were being threatened in the midst of a bloody civil war. In this special episode, we have two separate guests that we're going to bring in. First, we're going to talk with Garrett Batty, who is the director of the film The Saratov Approach, and most recently, and will soon be released, if not already, if depending on where you're at in the world, uh, the movie Freetown. So, Garrett, thank you for, for coming in and taking a few minutes to talk with us. Yeah, I know you. you've been traveling all over the world. You just got back a couple days ago from Africa? Yeah, yeah, we had the world premiere out there in Africa. Good grief. How are you still awake? Oh, yeah, we're <laughs> adjusting. I'm adjusting. <laughs> so I guess I'm kind of curious now. Do you do you have a, a business card, and does it say film director on it? <laughs> I, I don't. I'm terrible. I don't have a business card, <laughs> but if I did, I, I don't know. It would probably just have my name on it. And, yeah. Yeah, it'd be a real sleepy guy. I think you, that's you, what my credit would be. Well, with your, <laughs> well, with your job, you don't, you don't really pass out business cards, right? People know who you are by what you've done. Your work is your business card. Yeah, that's definitely. I mean, that's my real. But uh, yeah, no, I'd probably, I probably would be doing a lot bigger films if I had business cards. <laughs> there you go. So after after your film, uh, the Saratov approach, you know, it was considered successful and. Both artistically and I guess within the LDS film industry, you could say it was financially successful. Um, was there any pressure coming into this next film? You know, to I guess maybe another way of asking that is how much did your Saratov approach experience inform your work on this movie, Freetown? Uh, that's a good question. And I remember at the time of deciding to do Freetown, it was, it was when Saratov was really in, in its peak. We were getting ready to open across the country, um, and I announced Freetown at at the time, not having a script, not having any funding, um, but knowing that that yeah, that it was somewhere along the lines of this missionary in peril theme yeah. that audiences were responding to. So I guess it informed it greatly. But at the same time, I was, I was very conscious not to just say, I got to do another one about yeah. two missionaries abducted. It was like, no, it has to feel and look and be completely different. Yeah. Well, when we did our last interview uh, on the Good Word podcast, I, I listened to it again in preparation for this. And you actually were working on the script at that time. And that was a year, about a year ago, uh, maybe a little over a year ago. And it just seems like you're able to take a script to shooting to through editing really quick at least in comparison to what many would call like a hollywood film do you feel that you're kind of rushed or you, that you're really fast with it or you just that's just the natural flow of it I th yeah i mean it feel i guess it's 18 months since Saratov released um so i mean i mean i guess the truth of it is it's such a small market and small these are small films so 
Um, I don't oh, have a lot no of other options. Films. Isn't that the, the, the line? There's no small films. <laughs> no, <laughs> only there, small. I can certainly <laughs> attest that there are plenty of small films. <laughs> but uh, where this is my living, um, I don't have the option yeah. to kind of sit idly by. Oh, and that's I have true. to really pump these out there. Yeah, this isn't a hobby. Sure well, it is not. kind of, right? I mean, it's a passion. It's ruined my hobby. It's become my living. And yeah, and it, yeah I haven't lost a passion for it at all. But now, you know, when I'm skiing or with the kids, I'm not filming anything. I'm you know, where I, Whereas I would have been gotcha. prior to this. Yeah. That would have been the hobby. So why don't you give a brief on the story or the premise of Freetown for those that haven't heard what it's about? So, yeah, it's a, it's a story, as we've already said, a missionary and peril story. Freetown is set in Liberia, 1989, um, and it is the story of six Liberian missionaries who find themselves caught in the middle of this brutal civil war. And this hap- is Liberia, hap- Africa, not Liberia, Costa Rica. That's correct. Just to be clear. That's, r- that's right. Right in West Africa. Um, and so these are some of the original members of the church there that are now yeah. called on missions. and asked to serve and as this war escalates around them their initial desire is to leave to find a safer place to teach in a, in somewhat of a a subplot that, that that overtakes the plot of the movie one of these missionaries is a member of the tribe which is being eradicated by these rebels and so it, it becomes less about we'd like to go teach and more about we'd like to live yeah and so they they definitely flee the country for their for their lives. Yeah. So the the story is based on real events, based on real people. But in even within that, there's some artistic license occasionally. Sure. Um, so what what are the challenges as you come to this? Because you you not only directed it, but you were a co-writer. Yes. For this, what then became some of the challenges that you faced as far as What's real that stays and what's real that goes? The over, I mean, the, certainly there are the details. And you'd say, well, the, for example, the details of this story, there were eight missionaries that were fleeing along with their driver. Production logistics and also, to Melissa Larson's credit, creatively, she said, let's make this uh, six characters so that the audience can really relate to some of these people um so yes artistic liberties were taken for both the reason of logistics that it's an independent film that we're shooting in the middle of africa so let's be realistic about what we can accomplish but also creatively where do we want to take our audience so the overriding principle through the process was what is the emotion that the characters that the real people were feeling and if authenticity is our guide and we're saying Let's be authentic in the emotion. And if they write in their journals or their letters to the mission president, which was our source material, they write, we were f- afraid for our lives for we saw this and this and this. Mm. The The goal was to say, how do we get them to feel afraid for their lives? Yeah. And then, then we can stand up at the end and say, this is real. It's real and it's true because the element of the story was there. Maybe not the person specifically, but... The, the what happened yes. is really there. Yes. And it's the so that was our guide. And now here we are showing this film to people and um it so happens that one of the actual missionaries 
lives in West Valley oh. is, and is now seeing the film. And to Melissa's credit, um, this original missionary can go through this story point by point and say, yes, this happened. Uh, you know, and, and there are some really powerful scenes which you think would be uh, maybe Hollywoodized up. And he says, no, that that happened. That, wow. Uh, we didn't we didn't write it in our mission presence letters that way because you certainly you know there are things you don't write <laughs> write home about but based on her research what she did with you know in the region uh, that was happening at that time and to his now accounts um, the story that you see on the screen is is pretty accurate yeah well and this took place back in 1989 yes and so I was interested when I was watching the, the film, I looked at the, the set setting where this all, I mean, this was filmed exclusively in Africa. This wasn't some where we went someplace that kind of looked like it. This was really on location. So I looked at that and I thought, I wonder how much the scenery has changed since 1989. Has it? Because it doesn't feel like there's any modernized 2015 kind of elements in it. Yeah. Oh, we do, well, we, we filmed in Ghana. Um, at the time of filming, Liberia and Sierra Leone, where the story is set, were um, you know, battling the Ebola virus outbreak. And so we did not film there, but we filmed in Ghana. And we, we took great attention to say, look, let's do our best to shoot around and not, not get modern vehicles or modern buildings and no cell phone towers and things like that. <laughs> yeah. So certainly those things are present. And yeah. Especially in Ghana, which is a, more of a developed uh, country than perhaps um, Liberia, but uh, but no, to to Jeremy Prusso, our, our director of photography, to his credit, he did a phenomenal job of of shooting around those those gives <laughs> those giveaways. Yeah, yeah. So what what does this you you've since gone back to the village where it was filmed and and shown the the film? Yeah. It was important to us to be able to bring this film back to the village. When yeah. you make a film, it's a very disruptive process to whomever. You know, if, you, if you're in somebody's home or out in a city park or whatever it is, that's why you have permits and everything. Yeah. Well, getting a permit in a village, you know, an hour outside of Accra, Ghana, is, is not, um, it's not the same process. You sit down okay. with the village chief and you explain oh. what you're going to do and... Then you know you beg and pray and <laughs> chant uh, so that he'll allow you to do that. And then the thing is, is if the village chief says yes, this is okay, then the villagers they fall sustain in that. Yep. Yeah. And so we were very we were fortunate that the village chief uh, allowed us to to film. And with that, we had the support of the entire village. And so this it enabled us to create some very very big scenes where we essentially took over a village for a while and we participate i mean the the participants were were compensated and um we we tried to make sure that i mean that, that they were enjoying themselves and if they didn't want to participate they didn't have to um so it was we, humane we, it was humane we try to keep it as professional and as as as, a, as humane as a film set can be um <laughs> and, and so with that in mind we said look these people are never going to go to a movie theater in Accra and see this film. So let's bring it to them. And so we did. We set up a big 12-foot by 9-foot screen with 
sound system that make, makes any uh, church dance feel like a, you know an iPod. And it, it was amazing. It was amazing wow. because they were all you know anywhere between two to four hundred people are now gathered around, yeah, watching and seeing their their homes and uh, themselves on the screen. And it was really neat. They were yeah, the, cheering and hollering. That's great. That's incredible. And as far as the the experience goes from a missionary perspective, yes, this is talking about missionaries, but what type of effort ended up happening as a missionary effort directly? I mean, this had to have been, not everybody in this village are members of the church. I would imagine very few. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, as far as. So what did this mean as far as maybe a missionary effort? Well, certainly they, um, I mean, on set, when, when they're on set, they're interacting with with actors uh, in the film who are portraying missionaries, three of whom were members of the church and could certainly um, answer any questions that any of the villagers had. Um, when we interacted with the villagers and you know, we, we, we shot a key scene of the film in the central church, which is the you know, yeah. central to the village, which is not a, not a Mormon not church, a Mormon church by any yeah. means. Uh, and yet they were very, very accommodating. Um, our goal was to leave the preaching and teaching to the real missionaries, um, but certainly to represent yeah. the church as, as the church would hopefully want to be represented. Well, I imagine as people watch this movie, they're going to have questions. Yeah, absolutely. If they're or, not a member. Uh, yeah, questions or an experience. They're go- yeah. We, we want to provide them an experience with missionaries that perhaps they won't already have. And so... Um, Oh, you, know, you, could call it, you could even... call this Meet the Mormons Africa edition. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, it is. It's kind of an outreach in some respects because people are being exposed to an incredible story that happens to involve Mormon missionaries. It's not about preaching Mormonism per se, although you, you can't help but be struck by the faith that's within the context of the story. Sure. And these guys, these are guys that had every reason to stop being a missionary to not believe what they believe or not to preach what they preach. And in fact, that's some of the thematic elements, right? With especially this person who has to consider whether or not they should deny their tribal heritage, who they are in order to stay alive and, and weighing the greater good and all these, there's a lot of different themes in this. Was that inherent in the story or did you feel that you brought that out in the story? Uh, there were key details in their letters to the mission president, and and I I don't know at the time. I mean, certainly they're not writing mission president letters thinking this is going to be a good film one day. <laughs> yeah. So they say, you know, mission, you know, President Cunningham, we had to cover our name tags, and you know, we're sorry. And I think, what does that mean? You know, in a missionary's mind, right now, the significance of a name tag, and then yeah. how could there is a certain amount of impact or symbolism that that could represent. And so we talked, Melissa and I talked about that and what, what we can do to really use these things to, to add to the theme. I mean, uh, the themes of the film. Yeah. So you also bring up a, what we'll call a, a complex topic or a subject that a lot of people have kind of questions about. And that is of course, race and the priesthood um, with the, with 1978 and the, this, lift of a priesthood ban and and you talk about that in the film Certainly. yeah we 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 have to you have to because you're making a film about african missionaries members of the church certainly they are familiar with the priesthood yeah and uh in in 1989 you know we're only 11 years 
outside of that, um, the, the restoration of the priesthood for them. And, um, so I certainly, whether they, whether it was on their minds as they're driving across the country, I knew that it was going to be on the mind of the viewer who sees this film and says, wait, you know, didn't that thing happen? Yeah. yeah. You have, you have African missionaries. Well, you don't want to make them look like they were ignorant of that either, that this is something that they decided in spite of that, maybe, if that's the right word. Certainly. Yeah. So when you were going through and, and you know, normal film sets have craft services, what was your craft services when you were there? <laughs> it was... It was uh, Did you have the local cuisine or... <laughs> well, we, we took five... There were five uh, Americans that went down. Okay. Uh, and then the rest of the crew was uh, Ghanaian. And the cast was, you know... 99.9% Ghanaian. And so, yeah, craft services was what they would like to eat. I mean, certainly you have your, your cold drinks and uh, <laughs> uh, peanuts. Um, but but it, it, was, it was limited. It was definitely yeah. an independent budget in a third world country. <laughs> so we didn't, well, have, we didn't have a variety of Swedish fish. <laughs> there you go. Well, how did that go? I mean, it, it, did you uh, did you find yourself at the end of it being like converted to Ghanaian food, or are you like, <laughs> I've had enough. This is plenty. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was interesting. It was a long. It was a six week shoot, and at the end of six weeks, I was ready to come home. You're like we I were, could have a Big Mac now, right? Yeah, yeah. There are no <laughs> McDonald's in Accra. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it was. It was uh, definitely um, eye opening, and. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's Jeremy, our DP, I, when we came home, we all had a little, pro- probably PTSD type really? stuff. Because, because of the difficulties of making a film, mm. and then you compress that with, we're in a third world country where everything that you eat is trying to kill you. And, you know. And really? So, yeah, there's just kind of this, we took <laughs> some time to say, look, we're not going to talk about the film, we're not going to talk about experience right now and let's and the, you know, the, the old yeah. if you can't say anything nice don't say anything at all <laughs> not that anything was terrible but it was just um we were it's intense it's an intense it's a it was a refining process that's for sure well if i remember correctly when you did the screening uh the joseph smith memorial building that i attended you you mentioned that you had gone to church when you were serving there or filming there rather and you, you'd gone to church there um what was that experience like it, it it was thrilling. It was it was wonderful. Um, did they know who you were at that time, or why you were even there? Or did you? Yeah, we were very. It, it was actually pretty neat uh, because we knew that we were going to be there for six weeks, um, and we were shooting six days a week, and so we needed that Sunday to just have that day of rest yeah, and decompress. Um, so we showed up at the there's the, the church is very strong there. There's a temple and an MTC, and there were nine to 12 stakes in that greater nice. area. So uh, we found the, a building close to us and went to it. And, um, you know, first first day there, we it, it, certainly we stood out. Um, <laughs> we introduced ourselves and said, well, yeah, we're going to be here for six weeks. What what can we do? How can we help? And uh, I can go home we, teaching we were for given, us. <laughs> we were given assignments and we taught in the young men's. And, um, well, you know, it was interesting. It was really interesting. One of the, one of the, Bishops there. The bishop said, "You know, oh, we're working with uh, some some members, and one one member wants to be an actor, and uh, you know, maybe you have him on your film set or for a day or two." And That's we talked cool. about the name, and it just so happened that we had already cast 
that person. Oh, really? As one of the missionaries. Which one? Uh, he plays Elder Myers. Okay. And uh, does a phenomenal job in the film. And so we ended up, I mean, he came to church with us all six weeks. And when we left, he received a, received a calling. So it was a neat. Very cool. It was a cool experience. Well, I have to say that it was, uh, it was a very powerful experience for me to watch. Not because I served in Africa or Louisiana is anything close to Africa. Uh, but it was, it was impressive for me to watch because sometimes we don't hear about the everyday people being that heroic or having to fight against those types of odds. And yet here was, here's a group of guys that are still alive, right? None of them have, have died. Yeah, they're um, all with us. Um, oh, is the mission president still alive? The mission president's still alive. Okay. He'll be at the uh, premiere okay. in, in April. That's exciting. Yeah, should be really probably, <laughs> probably a little nerve-wracking, but very exciting at the same time. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it'll be interesting. We've got three of the missionaries and the mission president that who, you know, haven't been, they haven't seen each other in This is a mission decades. reunion. That's, that's quite a, a story. mission reunion for them. Wow. And as far as... You know, moving moving forward with uh, producing and, and for this part of it, promoting a film. When you're moving forward and promoting a film like this, do you find yourself, I don't want to call it tiring out, but do you feel that you've told the story so many times that it just, it loses its power or is it still a powerful story to you? Uh, I think that there's a lot of work that goes into it. So this is definitely the payoff period and you know even even before it's in theaters as we're doing these initial screenings and really getting the word out there it is certainly exhausting but my wife reminds me every day she says you know this is what you've been fighting for for yeah for your career and so don't don't complain about <laughs> oh you have to go to another screening or do another yeah that's what you're doing that's that's what the goal is yeah so it's that's good that she has that perspective keeps you grounded yeah, so no. So yes, it's tiring, but it's worth it. That's what I that's what I begged for. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's a fantastic film, and I don't I'm not just saying that cuz you're here. It's it's honestly it was and and part of why we put off doing the interview until I had a chance to see it was because I didn't want to you know, I didn't want to promote it <laughs> too heavily if if it was garbage. But I I, I, <laughs> yes. I actually think that it, it's 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 remarkable and it's incredibly powerful. It's incredibly Faith promoting without having to cram that down your throat. It's not, it's not designed to do that, but it has that impact anyway. So I want to thank you for making the film, and I want to thank you for coming in. We are definitely going to be talking with uh, Melissa Larson, who was the screenwriter, co-screenwriter, about this uh, in, the, in the next segment. But for certain, I, I need to ask you so I can balance it with her side of the story. You guys co-wrote this, but how, how did that work? And how much, was it a 60-40, 50-50? How much, who wrote what? No, oh, it was a very, very interesting process. And uh, I hope Melissa can corroborate this story. <laughs> but uh, I had some initial pages and had done a lot of research on the story and knew what I wanted to say. But I am not gifted like she is in writing. And and you as a writer uh, know that certainly there is a story but you got to crack that nut and figure out yeah. how to get from point A to point B and point Z, you know, this, this arc. And Melissa came in. And so, so I said, Melissa, I need help. I'm, I'm stumped and I can't do this. And here's, here's my first 30 pages yeah. and I need 120. 
And uh, <laughs> without lies, you gotta be, you gotta be true to it. Yeah. And here's my notes. And I think she went and did extensive research and just, um, just came back. You know, we sat down at draft points where she said, here's the first draft and here's where we're at. And then, um, and we ran with it. So she delivered a script. We took it to Africa and adapted what we, what I needed to, to fit, mm. you know, locations and, and scenes. Um, but it was, so it was a collaborative process in, but, but never sitting down together and writing. Yeah. So I, I certainly enjoyed it and I hope it was positive for Melissa. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure it was. She seems to be pretty proud of it so far. And she and should be, she it, did an amazing is. job. It's an incredible, incredible movie. So again, thank you very much for, uh, for coming in and where can people go to find out more about Freetown? So our website is freetownthemovie.com. All one, no, no hyphens. No hyphens or anything. Freetown the movie. And uh, we open April 8th across the country. And so, as I mean, we've given that pitch before that an independent film really needs to do well its opening weekend yeah. in order for theaters to keep it. Um, you know, and is, so, is there a list of the theaters across the country? Right there, there? on that website. Okay. Yeah, three corner. So if they're in Washington or Florida or wherever, they're going to be able to see it somewhere? They'll be able to see it somewhere. Okay. And, we we didn't do that with Saratov, and every com uh, we got a lot of comments saying, "Please bring it to my town, bring it here," and so we said, "Look, where did Meet the Mormons play? Where did where did mm. people really respond to it?" And that's where we're going to go, and it's a su- substantial risk and investment, and we hope that people will respond. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you again for coming in, and best of luck to you on the on the film. Thank you so much. Melissa Leilani Larson is a writer presently based in Provo, Utah. She is the award-winning author of a number of plays and films. She also holds a bachelor's in English from Brigham Young University and an MFA from the Iowa Playwrights Workshop. And I'm going to ask what the MFA is a little bit later. She is the screenwriter of the upcoming film Freetown, directed by Garrett Batty, who we just interviewed in the first segment. But she's here to talk about the screenwriting that went on behind the scenes, if you will, of this movie, Freetown. So welcome, Melissa. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. What is an MFA? It's a Master of Fine Arts. So this workshop, is that just a clever name for a university then? It's part of the university. It's the University of Iowa. And they're kind of known, they have, um, it's it's known as a writer's university. They're quite well known for the writer's workshop, which is... uh, a lot of very famous um, fiction and nonfiction writers and poets have come out of Iowa. And also a number of playwrights. Tennessee Williams graduated. I don't think he did the master's. I think he he did his undergrad. Oh, so you're he's on the wall of him. fame. Got it. I, you said it, not me. Um, yeah, let's jinx my career when it's getting started. That's <laughs> a great choice. I'm better than Tennessee Williams. Um, you heard her here first. I did. That's a that's a quote. We can tweet that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it's it's a terminal it's a terminal degree. Okay. Um, a really really simplistic way of of uh, explaining it is it's like the artistic hands on equivalent of a PhD. Oh, okay. Excellent. So name some of the plays that you've written, and I guess you don't have to start with the most recent. You can start all the way back if you want. Um, the very first play that I did um, was produced at BYU. 
Um, we don't need to say when, uh, but it's uh, <laughs> it's a historical drama about Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII called Lady in Waiting. And um, since then, I've done several that have been produced. Um, I think the number, including the two that I have happening in the next couple of years, is 13 um, that have been produced at universities and theater companies all over the place. A couple of years ago, um, my play about Joan of Arc called Martyr's Crossing, uh, UVU took it on their study abroad program. Every summer they go to England for class, and then they go to do a show for about a week at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland. So I claim that as my international premiere. Nice. Um, before Freetown. And so now I can say that I've been on three continents, yeah. which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, Martyr's Crossing tells the story of Joan of Arc from the point of view of the voices who spoke to her. Okay. So it's a... Uh, it's a little bit more of a spiritual take. Some people would say it's a little bit more of an LDS take, but um, there, there are different ways that you could read it. I um, most recently have done two Austin adaptations, which have been very popular. Um, the Jane most Austin. recent, Jane Austen. Uh, Pride and Prejudice, I did last year for BYU, and it was, um, it was received really, really, really well. Mormons mm. love that story. Well, do you know what's surprising is I've done two Austins at BYU, and they the first one I did was Persuasion, which is my personal favorite of her novels. It had never been done at BYU. Like, they have not done a Regency drama, hmm. which blows my mind. Yeah. Because it's true. You think, hey, they love this. They're going to eat it up. But they hadn't done one. Well, there's like 50 different versions of Pride and Prejudice. It's true. Mine's funny. <laughs> oh, okay. I like mine. Yours isn't the zombie Pride and Prejudice that came out? No, no zombies. That one's been in development forever. (laughs) We'll see if it ever gets out. Um, Well, excellent. So now you've got uh, the screenwriting credit of Freetown. Mm -hmm. We heard a little bit about the story from Garrett, but maybe you can tell me what the story was to you. To me, um, a couple of things that were really exciting about it was that it was a story of survival, um, first and foremost. Um, It was very exciting and very, I appreciated that as as an amateur historian, I appreciated that it's the story is twenty five years old now, so it's it's contemporary history, and it's church history. It's really interesting to think about the church on an international global level, and I think this story is important in that um, progress. Yeah. Um, I also really liked that it was a missionary story without being a missionary story. It's about missionaries without. Um, being about proselytizing and without being about, you know, baptisms and conversions. Um, it's, it's still about, but it's still about being a missionary. I mean, these missionaries have to survive and they have to find a way to, um, to, to stay alive and to keep going. But the reason that they choose to stay alive and keep going is because they want to keep teaching. Yeah. And that's really impressive to me. That's the arc. Really. That's the arc. Yeah. Yeah. So... I guess the those that haven't seen it yet, they should know that this is based on real life people, real life events, um, and and there's certainly some aspects of it that are fictionalized a little bit in the sense that you are taking characters from real life that are based on a real story, but you have to put it into a fiction movie so that a certain story can be told. And and I understand from Garrett that there wasn't eight missionaries, or there there's there weren't six missionaries, that there were eight missionaries. So what are, what are some of the other challenges that you had in taking real life and converting it or maybe even condensing it into this story arc? I'm nodding like you can hear me nod. Um, 
there were a couple of challenges that I saw, and that was part of the attraction to the story. Yes, we did um, for the sake of keeping things compact and also for very practical reasons like, you know, the director and the TP have to fit in this car too. Um, we went from eight to six um, because we also have the driver. We have six missionaries yeah. and a member of the branch presidency. So, so we went from nine to seven, I should say. A couple of the challenges were um, I, as a writer, want to write really great roles for women. And so um, this is not that kind of a film. Um, well, there is one kind of there, hero character. There in is. There. I mean, there are some. Actually, there are two really great um, female roles in it, which is great. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna knock that. I'm gonna take those where I can get them. But it wasn't the the goal of the film. Um, and so for me, I mean, because you know, there are tropes that men can't write about women and women can't write about men. I think that that's a little stereotypical and that's something that I as a writer want to overcome. So one of the attractive challenges about it was like, okay, here's this film that's filled with guys and you have to take these guys who are basically in uniform and make them all individuals Yeah. and try to make them all stand apart from each other. And I mean, we couldn't follow a full arc with all of them, but we wanted to give them all at least a couple of moments to be like, hey, this is who I am. And, uh, and so that was a challenge. And uh, it, was, it was also really exciting, I think, to think about these, these six characters. Seven, because Abubakar, through the, through the revising process, Garrett and I kind of decided that Philip Abubakar, the driver, yeah. could almost be our, you could make an argument for him being the protagonist. Because at first, I think with okay. the missionaries, you're kind of going, who do we follow and who's in charge and who's the leader? And I think that very naturally happened. Like, there is a leader. But um, it was really nice to kind of have a, for lack of a better word, a civilian to kind of take us through. And, um, and it also became, with him um, and the missionaries, there's almost this really nice kind of a verses of um, faith versus pragmatism kind of that happens in yeah. the film, which is really nice. And that just kind of worked itself out. It wasn't something that I don't think we, we didn't plan it, but it just kind of happened that way, which yeah. was really nice. And then we were able to, to hit it up. If there was, and this might seem kind of like a strange question, so go with it, but if there were job listing for screenwriter of Freetown, like looking back on it now, on that experience, having done so, how would you have written that ad? In other words, if there was a movie producer seeking a screenwriter that can, what? What were you, what were you asked to do with Ooh. this? We're looking for a screenwriter who can um, explore um, an interesting locale, um, a screenwriter who's interested in character, in story rather than message. Message comes out of the story rather than the other way around. Uh, screenwriter with a sense of humor. Um, Which is hard to do in the middle of tragedy yeah. and survival. Yeah. Well, I personally think that's something that's very, it's, it's a hallmark for me. I think it's something that we need. It's something that I learned from, from Shakespeare, that you can only take the human... Uh, mind can only take so much tragedy before you just you just need a laugh. You need a valve, um, it's a, a release valve. Defense mechanism, isn't it? Defense mechanism. Yeah, that's a really good way to, to think about it. That we just need to um, because tragedy is important and drama is important for us to experience, but um, but humor is also ex important. And so I think in those moments, um, I a long long time ago read a novel that had a line in it about you know one must either laugh or scream. And, uh, and it made really good sense that in a dramatic situation, you know, you, if those are the choices, you'd rather laugh than scream. I mean, it just, it makes things comfortable. So I think it's important for, for there to be a little bit of humor. And I, I also think it helps to make it relatable. I mean, 
And that's that can go in the ad too. Um, to find connections, we are always looking for human and emotional connections with characters. Um, in this film, you know, we're trying to connect with characters who we share faith with, but who are on the other side of the world. So there's some things that are different culturally. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, and the situation that they're in is really kind of hard to imagine. So you kind of have to be able to put yourself in that. Well, I, I was curious. I know that, that Garrett served a mis- mission. Did you serve a mission? I haven't. Okay. So how did that affect your role in writing the script? Did you feel that that helped, hurt, just gave a different perspective? I think gives a, it, it uh, gives a different perspective. Sometimes you just kind of have to try things. And then, um, and then Garrett, who has served a mission, would be like, yeah, that's not exactly in the mission <laughs> rules. I'm like, oh, okay, that's good to know. And I had, you know, other friends who have served missions who helped me with some of those kind of things that are a little okay. more, you know, by the book. But then there are also moments in the script and in the film that I don't necessarily want to, to give away. But that the situation that these missionaries are in kind of forces them to... to to live the rules differently than missionaries might somewhere else in the world. Well, in a sense, the whole story of them having to leave their own area is not exactly kosher. But right. at the same time, you go, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. And, uh, and, it's, and we, people will say that some of those instances with the rules are creative liberties, but those, are, those moments are true. We, we have those recorded. So that they're part of what the missionaries experienced. That's right. And you I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but... yeah. And you had to go back through journals and mission president letters and things like that, right? Um, I think Garrett did uh, okay. before he and I talked. Um, I did read some emails, and I know that there's a – I want to say that it's Elder Menti and possibly – I don't know if who else in the group. I'm pretty sure that he has written a book about his experience. Um, and there, were, there have been articles in the church news. There was an article in the Enzyme um, a little bit ago. A little bit ago, last summer, <laughs> when we were uh, when we were just getting ready to shoot, this article came out in the in the I think it was June, it was June or July, okay. and I remember Garrett emailing me with the link to the article, going, "Well, how's that for timing?" Nice. And I thought, yeah, that's really nice. So, um, so the story has been out there, but I don't know that a super lot of people are familiar with it. Well, I hadn't heard of it. Before. Yeah, I hadn't really either. It was news to me. Um, so, as far as Moving forward with with uh, the promotional effort, it's typically not the place of a screenwriter to get a whole lot of time to promote the movie. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say, yeah. Okay. Are you okay with that? Well, it depends on, I mean, it depends on how you define promote, because I think in the, in where we are, in the time in which we are now, <laughs> um, and that we're now living, I mean, in this age of social media, I'm going to promote it and you just try to stop me. <laughs> so, I mean, because part of being a writer, part of being a playwright is getting yourself out there. Like, sure. I have a website, I have calling cards, business cards, I have Twitter, I have Instagram, I have Facebook, and I use all of my social media to promote my work. And so, now that we're in a position to say, oh, hey, this film is coming out soon, and oh, hey, I worked on this, it's just like any other play that I've written where I'm like, oh, you guys need to come see this, and I promote it on promote it on social media and there have been some times when I've been asked um, other podcasts to talk about my work as a playwright and I've said oh hey I'm also working on this okay so yeah and I don't think they're gonna they're gonna say shh Mel stop talking <laughs> you don't get to promote the movie yeah yeah it's it's interesting I think the rules are interesting about you know film is the theater is a writer's medium and the film is film is a director's medium 
I mean, I don't know that that's always true, but I think it's interesting. Yeah. Well, so this is the part that I wanted to kind of get your side of things on because I asked Garrett this, and I'm trying to see if your stories match with his. (laughs) So both of you are credited with writing the story. I do want to ask you how that collaboration worked, but what percentage of the script did you write versus what he wrote? Oh, geez, you're going to make me do math. Eh, ratios, whatever. <laughs> well, we we first met and, uh, and started talking about it, and he had started working on an outline already and done a lot of the research before we met and talked about it. And so I did... Um, I did a number of drafts, and after each of those drafts, he and I met and we talked about it, and I'd go back, take his notes, and go back and rewrite. And then he, there were some revisions um, that had to happen in Africa, and I wasn't in Africa, so. Did you ever get to go? I didn't get to go. Oh, okay. I know, it's sad, right? (laughs) So, but if I were to do math, oh, goodness. I would say, because also, I mean, taking into account the fact that, yeah, we did a lot of the planning and outlining together. 60-40? 60-40? 60 for you? Yeah. Okay. See, I was curious if you were going to go, oh, it was 50-50. We shared the response. You know, safe answer. But that's oh. all right. No. That's, that's not what he said. So. Well, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble. No, not at all. Not at all. But see, that's the, that's the interesting part about a collaboration that, you know, it's, it, who knows how much you really put in. Yeah, see, and, I don't know. It's hard to really kind of put it. And then also I can't take any credit for any of, you know... He went over there and made it. You know, he, sure. he rode in the he rode in the hatchback of a of a Corolla. I wasn't gonna <laughs> I wasn't gonna do that. So Okay. So where can people go? Well, you have you said you had a website. What's your website that people can go to? Uh it's it's my name. So it's Melissa Leilani Larson.com. Did you want to spell it? M-E-L-I-S-S-A-L-E-I-L-A-N-I-L-A-R-S-O-N. Not E N. <laughs> awesome. We will, we will have a link posted with the posting of this episode at blog.fairmormon.org. So thank you very much, Melissa, for coming in and talking with us about your new movie. It's exciting. Yeah, it and is. And you did a I'm good like... job, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rise Up. This has been a production of Fair Mormon. This and other podcasts are available at fairmormon.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Please subscribe to our show in iTunes under the name Mormon Faircast. Questions or comments can be posted at blog.fairmormon.org in conjunction with this episode. Tune in each week for another episode of Rise Up. Thank you for listening. <laughs>